Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. This sermon series, from now all the way through Easter, is called The Way, and it involves an examination of Jesus' teachings from his Sermon on the Mount, as found in the Gospel of Matthew. The importance behind this sermon series is that Jesus is revising many of the laws that we find in the Old Testament. It's important for our understanding as Christians to understand where he comes from and how he interprets those laws. I hope you enjoy this series. Our first scripture reading comes to us from Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 30, and chapter 32, verses 1 through 4. Then Moses recited the words of this song to the very end, in the hearing of the whole assembly of Israel. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Let the earth hear my words of my mouth. May my teaching drop like the rain, my speech condense like the dew, like gentle rain on grass, like showers on new growth. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God, without deceit, just and upright is he. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from Matthew, the seventh chapter, where we are concluding Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Listen for God's word as it comes to us today. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his home on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Generally speaking, Thursday evening in our home is kind of a wind-down evening. Ken and I usually try to take Friday and Saturday off when our schedule permits, which is not always, but Thursday night kind of feels like Friday night for those of you that work the Monday through Friday schedule. On this particular Thursday night, Ken was out at his church at a pastor nominating committee meeting, and I was binge-watching my new favorite Netflix series, Grace and Frankie. The dog was on my lap. I wasn't feeling very well. You can hear I'm getting over a cold, and the prospect of today's sermon was hanging over my head still, but overall it was a fairly peaceful, quiet evening. Now one of the great things about watching television on Netflix, for those of you that maybe haven't experienced this, is that you pay a subscription fee to Netflix every month, about $10, I think, and then you get to watch your TV shows without any commercial interruption. It's really quite delightful. 
So as I'm enjoying the second or third episode of Grace and Frankie, my phone interrupts me, a text tone. And I look, and it's from my daughter Katie. Now Katie and I text back and forth quite a bit. She's the oldest. And so I look at the text, and it was not what I was expecting to see. Trump just dropped missiles on Syria. Wow. Wow. So in this day of fake news, my immediate response to Katie, who avails herself of all kinds of social media, is, are you sure? To which she sends me a link to a CNN news report. Okay, I thought. And I switched off Netflix and turned on live television and began watching the coverage of the missile attack on Syria. I was almost immediately brought back to another night in another city about 25 years ago, the night that President George H.W. Bush decided to bomb Iraq in response to its invasion of Kuwait. That night, I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old sleeping in my home. That night, I wondered what kind of world they would inherit. That night, I wondered about our safety and the safety of the innocent families of Iraq. I wondered about being a citizen of a country where a bombing can increase the approval rating of a president. On Thursday night this week, I no longer had children sleeping under my roof, but I still wondered about the world they were inheriting. I wondered how 59 Tomahawk missiles would make a difference in the tens of thousands of innocents already slaughtered by their own government in Syria. I wondered about how we can use military might and not provide a safe place of refuge. I wondered about our safety. I wondered about our choices. As much as we want to think that the human condition has changed over the course of history, there's so much of it that remains exactly the same. The people of Israel were afraid and frightened, and they wondered about their leadership, and they wondered about their choices, and they wondered about what they were really supposed to be doing. I mean, Moses had led them out of slavery in Egypt, which sounded like a good plan all in all, except when they got to the desert, they were starving to death. So really, was it such a good plan? Maybe they should have stayed slaves in Egypt. At least they got fed. They wondered about the future for their children. How long were they going to wander in this God-forsaken wilderness, for heaven's sakes? Would they ever reach the promised land? And even though Moses had given them the laws and told them repeatedly that God was a jealous God and begged them to pledge their allegiance to God, they were still struggling with their understanding of their relationship and responsibility to this God, this one God. And today, in Deuteronomy, we meet the people of Israel in the midst of a very uncertain and confusing situation. There is about to be a change of leadership. Imagine the one who has led them through the wilderness, who has promised them safe journey into the promised land, is now saying, hey, I'm putting my rod down here, and I'm I'm not with you guys anymore. You're going to get Joshua instead. Before he leaves, Moses seeks to remind the people with powerful words and images 
that even in confusing and troubling times, and on times of great uncertainty, God is their rock. God is their refuge. God's ways are just. God is upright and sincere. God is interested in equity and justice. God is reliable and will never fail us. God is our rock, a refuge for us in times of trouble and uncertainty, a strength for us in times of our own weakness. God is that one thing on which we can rely, no matter how broken and bad it looks in our world. And in this song that Moses sings to his people, and it is indeed written as a song, God and rock become synonymous. Moses wants to reassure the people of Israel that no matter how uncertain things are looking, God remains present with them. God is the rock right there in their midst. No matter who leads them into the promised land, God will lead them first. God provides the unshakable foundation for their present and for their future. All they need to do is build on the rock. This song, which Moses sings at the end of his term of leadership, falls right into the song that we hear most frequently on this Palm Sunday. Hosanna, the song of followers of the way, the song they sang in the streets of Jerusalem. Hosanna, save us, God, save us, please save us. As Jesus enters through one city gate and Rome enters through another, the song Hosanna is literally a cry to the rock of salvation, a cry to the one who can save them, not just from themselves, not just from religious peril, not just from social destruction, but quite literally save them from the political regime of their day. When the Pharisees in Luke's gospel tell Jesus to get his followers to be quiet, Jesus says to the Pharisees that if the people were silent, the very rocks would cry out. So desperate is the cry for salvation. Jesus enters the world as the only answer to desperate times. The political, social, and religious structure is crumbling around the people, and they are looking for a new way. And Jesus invites them to follow the way. Things aren't exactly turning out, though, as Jesus' followers had expected. As Alex has led us through the Sermon on the Mount over these last several weeks, we have learned along with the early disciples that Jesus' way is not easy. It is not the way of expedient power. Jesus' way does not justify the means by looking at the end. It invites us, it even demands from us, that we seek new understanding, that we build the foundation for all of our decisions on the solid rock, God rock, rock that is just and equitable and strong, rock that withstands threats and bullies and wars with the, and the idea that being a superpower 
will fix all the problems of the world. With the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives the people a new way to live. He provides a foundation upon which they are invited to build God's kingdom. This will be the new world order, a kingdom of hope, a kingdom of justice, a kingdom of compassion, a kingdom of love. Jesus reminds us that in God's kingdom, the ones who are blessed are the poor and the persecuted, the downtrodden, the grief-stricken, the overwhelmed. And Jesus reminds us that we are invited to be the salt and the light to these people, to this world. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus opens the law of God from Moses and interprets it so that we can get deep into it, so that we can dig down and really sink our feet, our very being, into a solid foundation. Over the last several weeks, we've heard about anger and adultery and loving our enemies. We have heard God's teachings about the law and prayer and fasting and contributing to the work of the kingdom. We have heard about the importance of letting go of anxiety and the impossibility of serving two masters. Jesus' last significant teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is the golden rule. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. The grand finale, the coup de grace, in everything, in everything, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the moral code, the ethical stand by which Jesus calls us to follow the way. It is not based on situation or circumstance. It is not based on what someone else is doing to us or may do to us. It is not based on what is convenient or expedient. This is the way. It is a hard way. And it demands that we manifest our devotion to Jesus by the way we live our lives, not just in this community, but in our whole world, beyond our sanctuary. And only when we are living out the teachings of Jesus are we living life built on that sure foundation. Jesus warns his followers to take these teachings on the law seriously by adding one last closing illustration. There are two homeowners, and they are about to make choices about where to build their homes. Not how, not the blueprints or the design or the materials to be used, all we have to do is look across the street to see what happens when we use faulty materials or don't follow the right design, for now they've just jackhammered up a whole foundation where it just got laid. 
No, Jesus says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The materials and the blueprints for these houses are apparently the same. The only difference is the foundation. Is it rock or is it sand? Are we willing to take the teachings of Jesus and write them on our hearts, inscribe them in our lives in a way that they provide a rock-solid foundation for everything we do moving forward? We stand here on the threshold of what we call Holy Week in the Christian Church. It is the week where we walk to the cross with Jesus. It is the week when we are faced with hard questions and we listen to many hard biblical teachings. It is a week when we realize once and for all that Jesus is not the king that comes on his great white stallion with weapons of mass destruction, but instead he is a king who comes with things that we do not consider to be weapons at all. And yet they prove to be fierce weapons in building the kingdom of God. The weapons Jesus bring are truth and justice. They are grace and mercy. They are welcome and compassion. They are love for all, even for those who don't share our religious perspectives or our political ideologies. Holy Week is about watching the one who we call Lord and Savior speak truth to power. It is about listening carefully as Jesus says once and for all, the world's way is not my way. I am calling you to the way. It is not an easy way. It demands a rock, hard, foundational understanding of Jesus and who he is inviting us to be and what he is inviting us to be a part of. It means that we need to ask hard questions of ourselves and of others. And we need to be willing to listen to each other, especially because the answers for these questions will be different for different ones of us. There is so much so much horribleness in our world. So much tragedy and suffering, it is overwhelming. Bombing in Stockholm, bombing in Egypt, an 11-year-old boy who takes his own life because of a Facebook hoax. I promise you, friends, I'd much rather sit in my recliner and binge watch a Netflix series. I would much rather sit and tune out 
and hear Moses sing about the greatness of God and pat myself on the back for building my house on a rock-hard foundation. But it's just not that easy. We're faced with incredible choices and difficult, difficult situations. And it was never intended to be easy. We fool ourselves when we think that following Jesus is going to make everything a piece of cake. Every day, we are invited to follow the way. Every day, that means we are asked to make choices. Choices about rock versus sinking sand. Choices that define our own moral and ethical behavior. Choices that will impact the moral and ethical behavior of our church and even our country. They are not easy choices. They are choices that beg us to ask hard questions about opening doors and sending missiles. They are choices that ask us to live into what we say when we profess to love all of God's people. They are choices that ask us to risk our own sense of security and well-being so others may feel safe too. They are choices that will ultimately invite our world into a different way of being. And ultimately, they are choices that will determine where we stand at the end of Holy Week. Will we shout, crucify him? Crucify him, give us the criminal. Or will we stand on the rock, speaking truth to power, and demand that love has its way? I pray we will all find our way to the rock. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.